In the last few months, we've continued a series on character, the qualities of people, the people, the characters in the Bible. And we have looked at various individuals and the character qualities that they display, seeking to practice those good qualities, um, implement them into our lives. So today, I declare that the real want of humanity is you have to be getting nervous when somebody says that they know exactly what everyone needs, what people really need. But I'll say it, I get nervous too when somebody takes that tone. Nevertheless, what we really need today, what would transform the Christian church today are people with good posture. That's right, good posture. You have been reminded throughout your life to sit up straight, to stop slouching, to throw your shoulders back and raise your chin in the air. Even when I taught high school, there was this student who I couldn't tell. He was just this round ball every day in class. And I used to say to him, I used to try and chide him and ask him rhetorical questions. What I thought was a rhetorical question, I said, sit up straight, Ben. Do you want to go through life hunched over like that? You see, you just don't ask teenagers yes or no questions. He would say, yes. Yes, that's what I want. That's what I aim for, to be slouched, slouched over. Because it's a little scary, isn't it? And it was, that, at that point I stopped asking ridiculous questions to teenagers. But, but advertisers will say it. Do you want to look good? Do you want to look five pounds slimmer instantly? Um, with no needles or sweating involved? Ah, I do. Then it's time to improve your posture, right? Oh, so I just went and looked at what great posture will give us. Check this out. Number one, people with high, uh, with good posture have, uh, or high, they call it a high power pose. Um, they have increased feelings of dominance. Yes, that's what we need, more domineering people in the world. Risk takers uh, and powerful people, as well as reduced anxiety. Well, my anxiety's up knowing that more of those people are in the world. They also say um, if you have good posture, you can say goodbye to back pain. I'll take that. Good posture means that you'll look good and feel confident. You can actually burn up to 350 calories a day by being upright. It takes tension off your body and increases your circulation. You can breathe better, better memory. Your mood changes. It reduces stress. And it makes you more productive. <laughs> so let's try it. On the count of three, I want you to assume a better posture than the one that you have right now. One, two, three. It 
Some of you are like my students who just refuse. <laughs> or you are doing it. Wow, that's impressive. Now just let me look at you for a moment. You do look more confident, thinner, stronger, more relaxed, some of you. <laughs> you obviously are less moody than you were before, and your memory is better because you've not forgotten to sit up straight. You're still in the pose. Great. And I assume you'll be more productive, but um, we'll have to see about that later. <laughs> um, but that's not the kind of posture, really, that I'm referring to. But there is a connection between the two. Your posture is basically the way you align your core as you sit or stand or walk or even sleep. Your, your body, without even knowing it, returns to a learned pattern position. And when you try to adjust from that learned pattern position to a different position, you feel different. You feel muscles that you didn't before. It's like when the snow falls, enough of it falls, you have to shovel it. The next day you feel muscles you, you didn't even know you had because it's been a long time since you've done that activity. So good posture. It may be that um, for many, and I know it's true of me, um, I've settled into a Christian posture, a, a way to see the world and see life and think and respond and even relate to God that in ways may or may not be healthy. So today I want to look at four postures that I think are problematic and then one that might be the suggested one. Well, you know it's the one I'm going to suggest, don't you? First posture is life under God. The Christian life under God um, is the life that um, sees the blessing and curses in life. Um, they just don't occur randomly um, to you. They come for a reason. If you follow the rules and obey the demands, you will be rewarded. If your fields don't produce crops or you contract the flu, then that's because you're less blessed, and likely because that what you did or did not do was somehow substandard in God's view. Now some of us very sophisticated people might say, oh, I'm so glad this part of the world doesn't function like that. But it really is a prevailing posture for much of the world. It's also true in our moments too, let's not pretend that when something goes wrong or something doesn't go right, we don't wonder for a moment, oh, am I right with God? And so, in a way, it, it's like our actions and our behaviors and our devotion to God can actually manipulate Him one way or another. So there's this emphasis on the visible life as opposed to the invisible life. The second posture, I would say, is problematic, is life over God. Now, this is the desire to, uh, this is where the desire to control the environment, um, you know, and mitigate our fears, it no longer requires us to do things to appease God. That's a, a different um, posture. But this one does the same thing. It tries to 
manipulate God into a place where we can control him. Instead, uh, of an, instead there's this new view out there that says that universe is, is much like a, a machine, so to speak. And our job is to find a way to understand it and leverage those principles against it. I think there is an impulse um, in me today that says, no, I think what makes, what makes us wise and thoughtful and helpful and know God more is our observation of the world, the patterns and science and all those different things. But there is a whole sector of the world that places God in this nice little box or a triangle um, and keeps him right where we can control him, explain him, understand him, and he takes all kinds of different forms as he's in that box. Fear still drives this impulse, still drives this, uh, this posture, but now this control is achieved through our mind or through our science or through our experience rather than um, superstition. Then there's a third posture, life from God. The Christian life from God assumes that God is like a, a divine butler or a cosmic therapist, where your individual success and happiness are the core of what drives you. Especially in the Western world, we tend to operate like God exists to supply our need or our desire. This is appealing because it really doesn't ask us to change much. It's like oftentimes when a couple comes to me, I had a student come to me this week, thinking about somebody that they would like to marry and was celebrating the, the possibility. I said, so what do you like most about this person? And, and they said, well, I like the fact, and they just went off listing all these attributes of the person that were complementary to them. But in other words, I said, I said, so this person's compatible, extremely Perfectly fits right into my life. <laughs> Part of me just wanted to snicker, but my mom taught me not to do that. But I did paraphrase and I said, so what you're saying is you want to find someone that has all the attributes that accommodate your character or your temperament, whether it's good or bad, so that you don't have to change it all. Yeah. Well, when you put it like that, it doesn't sound so noble, does it? They were a little disappointed. I said, but that's not the way it works. So each person today is exposed to, some advertisers will say, 3,500 desire-inducing advertisements. We become tutored by the posture to operate like humans, like what, what life consists of and what we consist of are unmet needs that can be appeased by goods or experiences. And God's value then in that posture is determined by his usefulness to us. What can God do for me? And four, the fourth posture is life for God. What matters most in this Christian posture is not that God loves us, but uh, what you can do or what you can accomplish for him. 
And this is problematic, especially for me or people like me, is that you, you think that your significance is, is found in what you do for the kingdom or for God in service to him. And so everything that defines you is a gift to his work. And that can't be healthy. <laughs> There's this idea that has become central in the Christian um, community, this idea of being missional. And again, great concept, need to live a life that is missional, but being missional can be transformed into missionalism, uh, a whole other world, the belief that the worth of one's life is determined by how you achieve a goal or an objective. So summarize it, life under God sees the world as governed by the capricious will of God. Life over God places um, immutable natural laws at the center and life from God assumes that the world orbits around the self and its desires and life for God sees a divine mission at the core of all things. In all of those postures there are elements of that, that are healthy, noble, biblical, and good, but alone, they become a bad place to sit, a bad way to stand, a dysfunctional way to sleep, bad posture. Today, I would suggest that we would do well to adjust our posture to life with God. Life with God. It's um, at its very core simply accepting and celebrating a relationship with Him. Now, I know I've been in the Christian church for a long time now, and I've heard people talk about having a relationship with God to the point where that phrase sometimes doesn't even make sense to me. The book of John does a good job of describing it, though, this idea, this posture of life with God, to be with him. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And from this, this becomes one of those passages that we start thinking about the doctrine of the Trinity. And even in the Heart of the Trinity, there's this concept of community and presence and being together with someone else. It so shapes what the Creator does on earth that this Creator God that is in community with Himself, is the best way to say it, can only create a world that has at the very core of its nature and hope and dream for the end this idea of community. Because later in John, this word that was God and is with God is also the word that becomes flesh and dwells with us, walks among us, lives and abides in us together. It's no surprise when I look at the phrase in Christ as depicted in this um, beautiful piece of artwork here. Um, 
that the phrase in Christ is used in the New Testament at least 93 times, capturing a life with God. So the distinction um, of life with God from all the other postures is so simple. And yet, it is the one thing that frames the way we sit, the way we stand, the way we walk, the way we sleep. I think it would be good for us to consider our posture today, our state, the framework of our relationship to God. And I think the person that might help us the most is Joseph. Now you might automatically think, let's go to Joseph, the, you know, the husband of Mary. It's Christmas time, we've got to talk about Joseph. Or Joseph of Arimathea, but very little is spoken of both of those. The Joseph that I want to draw your attention to is all the way back in the Old Testament. The favored son of Jacob. So for our character today, let's look at what the Bible really says about him. This is the one who saw dreams and visions. Joseph assaulted by his brothers and sold into slavery. We pick up his story in Genesis chapter 39 where Joseph is working for Potiphar. And throughout the whole chapter, four times a phrase recurs. When there is success, it says, the Lord was with Joseph. And when there is scandal and tragedy, persecution, it says the Lord was with Joseph. Consider Genesis chapter 39. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Verse 3. When his master saw the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, there it is again. Verse 20 and 21. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. And finally in verse 23, the warden pays no attention to Joseph and anything under his care doesn't worry about Joseph. Why? Because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success and whatever. Throughout Joseph's life, not just looking back in retrospect, because when we look back at people's life in retrospect, everything looks pretty good. But looking at Joseph walking in the present, there is this posture of living with God. Even though he had dreams and visions of the future, his day is an understanding. It's captured by an understanding the existence of God's presence right there. So why should this posture be the posture? I mean, some of those other ones weren't bad. There are things God does for us and but why this one? Well, just think about the whole of Scripture, how the Bible frames the relationship of God with people. In Genesis chapter 2, we find God making humanity in his image and living in communion with him in the garden. Genesis 2 and 3 describes God walking with Adam and Eve in the garden. Exodus 25, you know this one. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell with them. 
Even in Matthew, at this season, we've sung the song. You will call him, his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Right in the heart of Matthew, where two or more are gathered together in my name, there I am with you. And finally, at the end, at this great missional moment where Jesus sends the disciples into all the world to preach the gospel, he says, and know that I am with you always, even to the end. And my all-time favorite, at the end of the book, from beginning to end, there is a framework, a posture. And in Revelation 21, verse 3, it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, look. God's dwelling is now among the people. And he will dwell, what? With them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and their God. The four postures we looked at all have elements that are real. But ultimately, if you think of the message of the Bible as, let's say, like a play, or a movie. Any one of those other four postures are like coming into the play in the middle and then leaving before the end. You miss the beginning and the end. You miss the point. How is it that the Christian church got the point but not the person? God means for us to be with him. Next week, my, my wife and I um, will celebrate 25 years of marriage. I know, I know, it's hard to imagine someone my age, but if you get married at 14, you... <laughs> uh, sorry, honey. Um, oh, let me just say this. When I... When I when I examine my heart and I look at all the ambitions, um, the things I want to do, places I want to go, things I want to accomplish, mountains you feel like you want to climb, and just things you want to achieve, it's so in me. But now, um, the only thing I really want is to be with her. Right now, I'd rather be with her than here. I guess what I'm trying to say is that's given from God. But I want to feel that way about God. I want to be with him. And I know that he wants to be with me. And I know, I believe in all my heart that that is the way God wants it to be in the Christian church. One of the ways we as Christians um, practice good posture is with the Lord's Supper, celebrating um, the Lord's Supper. And if there was ever a reminder, um, if there was ever a reminder of good posture, it's when we reflect on the experience of what Jesus did for us on Calvary 
when we take part in communion, we come face to face with the moment. Now, you can miss it. You can you cannot see it, but I challenge you today, when you get up, you walk forward, and you take, and you taste, and you pray, I challenge you to think about it, to feel it, and to reflect on what Jesus Christ did on Calvary for us. In this church, we practice what is called an, an open communion, where anyone who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God um, is welcome to participate. So at this time, I'd like to invite the elders to come forward, and after, um, yeah, come forward at this time, and after I pray, we'll invite you as a congregation to just step out of your seats and come forward and receive the grace that Christ is prepared for you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, if we take you at your word, you are here with us. That although in heaven you have shoulders and arms and hair and a chin, a real person, for when you were incarnated, you became one of us. For that, we praise you. And now, as you intercede for us, your spirit is here to bless us. So today, we ask that you would bless this bread that represents your body. We pray that you'd bless this cup as it represents your blood that was shed for us, that you bless every hand and heart that partakes in your great covenant of grace. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.